This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hello, I'm Sarah Gregory, and today I'm talking with Dr. Alicia Janiska, an assistant professor of emergency medicine and pediatrics at Warren Alpert Medical School of Brown University. We'll be discussing risk prediction for children with suspected Ebola virus disease. Welcome, Dr. Janiska. Thank you so very much for having me. Let's refresh people's memory about what Ebola virus is. Ebola virus is a virus that can cause a very severe and often fatal infection. And it's typically spread by coming into direct contact with either infected blood or bodily fluids, or even items that have been contaminated with infected bodily fluids. The signs and symptoms are not very specific and can include things like fatigue, muscle aches and pains, vomiting, fever, and even unexplained bleeding. And with Ebola virus, there is a very high mortality rate, 50% in most outbreaks, and even been recorded up to 90%. How many outbreaks have there been in Africa? Well, the first report of Ebola virus disease was in 1976 in what is now the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And to date, there have been just over 30 Ebola virus outbreaks on the continent of Africa. The largest outbreak involved several countries, mostly in West Africa, and that was from 2014 to 2016. And in that outbreak, there are about 29,000 cases with just over 11,000 deaths from Ebola. And how many people in the United States have gotten it? In the United States, so far, there have only been 11 persons treated for Ebola. This, again, was during that 2014 to 2016 outbreak. And the majority of those people were healthcare workers that were traveling from West Africa to the United States. And your study is specifically about children. So how many children anywhere have gotten it? So it depends on the specific outbreak. But overall, children represent between 20 to 25 percent of patients in an Ebola outbreak. Okay, so kind of recapping here, gathering all these people together in the United States and in Africa, how many people have died from it? Around 15,300 people have died from Ebola virus disease. And as I said, your study focused on children. Why children? I am a pediatrician first, and one of the cardinal roles of pediatrics is that children are definitely not little adults. Disease processes can manifest differently in pediatric patients, so it's really important to understand what those differences are so they can be addressed appropriately. And previous literature in this area has focused mainly on just adult populations or mixed populations of adults and children. Really, there's only been one other study that focused on children, but that has not been validated. Medically, what do you mean children are definitely not adults? In multiple different disease processes, children might have different manifestations of a particular disease. Additionally, there is a challenge when dealing with pediatric patients because not every single child is going to be able to tell you exactly what is going on with them. So looking for the signs and symptoms that might be more associated with a pediatric patient versus an adult patient would be important to know because, again, children may not be able to express what exactly is going on with them. 
It also comes down to the physiology of pediatric patients as well. Once you get to be an adult patient, a lot of the physiologic manifestation of disease is going to be the same. But for pediatric patients, it can change depending on how old you are. An infant's physiologic state is going to be different than a child whose school age is going to be different than a child who's a teenager. What were you specifically looking for in your study? In Ebola virus outbreaks, it's incredibly important to be able to quickly diagnose patients so that they can initiate supportive treatment. And with nonspecific symptoms, it is challenging to know right away who might have Ebola virus disease and who does not. Having early identification of patients with Ebola virus disease can help to prevent the spread of the disease so that you can quickly separate patients who are positive from those who are not. And even though there are rapid diagnostic tests that exist, they're not widely available So you really have to wait on definitive testing to diagnose Ebola virus disease. It may not come back right away. And our goal was to create a predictive diagnostic model and turn it into a scoring tool so clinicians could use it at the bedside when they were evaluating a child that could possibly have Ebola virus disease. What geographic areas did you focus on? Our study looked at pediatric patients from the 2014 outbreak in West Africa specifically in Sierra Leone and Liberia. And in order to see whether our model and our scoring tool worked well, we then validated using pediatric patient data from the 2018 to 2020 outbreak in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Were there differences in ability to obtain data from those different areas? The basic demographic, primary laboratory, and signs and symptoms data were all the same. But that being said, it is very challenging to obtain information during an outbreak. You must have had a lot of partners in the study. Can you tell us about them? We collaborated with in-country staff from the International Medical Corps in Liberia, Sierra Leone, and the Democratic Republic of Congo in DRC. And we also partnered with colleagues from the Ministry of Health in Liberia, University of Georgia, and the University of Massachusetts Medical School. What was the general criteria for inclusion in this evaluation? We were looking at children who were less than 18 years of age who presented to Ebola treatment centers. We did not include children that we didn't have complete data on, and we also didn't include children who died within the first 24 hours of arriving to the Ebola treatment center. You talk about 12 predictors in your study. What were the 12 predictors included? The predictors that we included were age, sex, and also the symptoms that are included in the World Health Organization's definition for Ebola virus disease. That includes fever, headache, breathlessness, bone or muscle pain, weakness, abdominal pain, hiccups, unexplained bleeding, gastrointestinal symptoms like nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea, and then also having an Ebola contact. Tell us about the predictive model tool that we're talking about here that you were developing and evaluating. Using the 12 candidate predictors, we entered our data into a logistic regression model. And that model selected the variables that were significantly associated with a child having a diagnosis of Ebola virus disease. We then converted this information into a scoring tool that we call the Pediatric Ebola Risk Score, or PERS. And our model found that the diagnosis of Ebola virus disease in children was associated with bleeding, having a known exposure to someone who has Ebola virus disease, 
or actually not knowing that they had come into contact with someone who had Ebola virus disease. And we also know that it was negatively associated with abdominal pain. You mentioned some WHO criteria, but they also have their own predictive model. How does this one differ from that one? So the WHO guideline for diagnosis requires you to have information on several variables, which you may not always be able to get at the setting of an outbreak or even with a pediatric patient, depending on their age or who's available to provide history for that patient. And with a pediatric Ebola risk score, you really only need three variables to determine the risk of a patient having Ebola virus disease. So again, if they've had bleeding and Ebola contact, or whether they've had abdominal pain. Through our study, we found that our model performed better than the WHO criteria for identifying pediatric patients with Ebola virus disease in West Africa. And when we applied it to pediatric patients from the DRC, it performed similarly to the WHO guidelines. And this may be due to the difference in prevalence in EVD during the two outbreaks. And clarify for us here, what data did you use to create the tool? The data comes from pediatric patients who presented for care at the International Medical Corps Ebola Treatment Centers in West Africa and in the DRC. Dr. Janisco, are there any surprises? Whenever you do a study, you look at the literature that's been done beforehand to see what their results were and if you have any overlap. And the one prior pediatric study had identified that older age conjunctivitis and Ebola contact were predictors. So we have the commonality that Ebola contact was a predictor, but in our study, we found that bleeding and abdominal pain were strong predictors for Ebola virus disease. Along that same vein, I imagine there were many challenges creating and evaluating this tool. You want to tell us about some of them? One thing that came up a lot, and we would just have very, very robust discussions about how do you objectively define variables for pediatric patients when you're doing this type of data collection? So, for example, vomiting or fever, it's very easy to say, yes, someone had that symptom or no, they did not. But variables such as breathlessness or feeling weak can be a bit more challenging in that an older child may be able to accurately report this, but a younger child may not be able to do so or an infant would not be able to do so at all. So that was one of the one of the interesting challenges that we talked about as we were creating the tool. What are the most important public health implications of your analysis and this predictive tool? Well, we really hope that the PERS can be used as a bedside tool for clinicians in order for them to be able to promptly triage pediatric patients according to their risk for having Ebola virus disease. And in that way, they can start the appropriate medical care according to their risk. Is there anything else you want to add to how you're going to use this tool going forward? We're in discussions with our colleagues on the ground to see whether the development of a PEARS app that could be used on a smartphone would be helpful in the field. Tell us about your job and your career path. I'm a pediatric emergency medicine physician, which means that I take care of children who come into the emergency department for care. And while I always knew that I wanted to be a pediatrician, I did not always know that emergency medicine would be part of my career. I've always had a strong interest in global health. And when I completed my pediatrics training, my first job as a pediatrician was working abroad in Ethiopia and then in Colombia. And in those settings, in addition to taking care of patients, 
I actually did a lot of education for trainee physicians, nurses, and community health workers on how to approach pediatric emergencies. And this led me to formalizing my education in pediatric emergency and really ignited my passion for teaching about the subject matter, both at home and globally. Well, you've clearly done some very interesting things. What do you think is the most exciting thing you've worked on? It's an interesting question. I have to say I'm very grateful for a career that has allowed me to enjoy different facets of my field. I work clinically as a physician in a busy emergency department, and I get to take care of and interact with pediatric patients and their families, which is extremely gratifying. And I also have been able to do exciting research, including this work on pediatric Ebola, to shed light on pediatric emergency care topics. And additionally, I really enjoy medical education, and whether that be directly supervising medical trainees or working with colleagues abroad to strengthen their home systems to provide emergency care for pediatric patients, there's so much of what I do that I consider exciting. It would be hard for me to choose just one. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today, Dr. Janeska. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about what I love to do. And thanks for joining me out there. You can read the June 2022 article, Risk Prediction Score for Pediatric Patients with Suspected Ebola Virus Disease, online at cdc.gov EID. I'm Sarah Gregory for Emerging Infectious Diseases. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.